We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Someone say, when God doesn't make sense. You know, if you've been living longer than two hours, um, you've realized that life doesn't always go the way we expect it. Does it? And sometimes we pray to God for help and guidance, and sometimes we pray by faith to God for help and guidance, and sometimes God doesn't do what we've asked. We seek him, but there's times when we don't even feel his presence. We have pains that we go through, but sometimes our cries for relief seem to go unanswered. Sometimes our lives just don't make sense. Um, The reality today is this, that sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes life is difficult. And there will be many times in your life when God just doesn't make sense. Can I just be honest with you? There will be many times, there there have been many times in my life where I just kind of shake my head. SMH. Right? Like, I don't, I don't understand this. Uh, why? Um, have you ever asked God why? Um, I believe you can ask why even in faith. Some people would say, well, that's a sign of doubt and unbelief. I don't, I don't believe so. I believe that you can ask those hard questions to God and he's okay with it. And so today I came to give you some hope. Um, And my prayer is that by the time we're done, that you will start to see that God's purpose and his presence in those silent moments of your life, when he seems to feel like he's a billion miles away, that you would start to sense his purpose and his presence even in those moments when God doesn't make sense. That's my prayer today because I believe that even when we have wise, even when we don't understand, that God is still there. I believe that. I believe that and I want to build your faith today around that thought. How many would be honest here today and say that there were times when you prayed and it seemed that God wasn't listening? If your neighbor doesn't have their hand up, just go ahead and escort them out of the building. The building may collapse any moment. There have been times in our lives where we pray, but we feel as if God isn't even listening. Like, like God, are you, are you here? Do you, do you understand the pain? Do you understand the confusion? Do you understand the hurt that I'm dealing with? If we were all honest, we would say we've been there, been there, done that. The good news is we've all been in that situation. The good news is we've all, so you're not alone. So, So 
what do you do when God seems unattentive? What do you do when God seems silent? In the silent moments of your life, because you're going to have them. You're going to have these moments. The truth is these moments happen to everyone. I'm sorry to burst the bubble of the person who just got saved two weeks ago, because you're on cloud nine. (laughs) And uh, I, I love new believers and new Christians that come to the church because they have this fire, man, and it can be contagious to the old stale Christians that are in the church. Because some of you are so sour right now, it looks like you just ate a lemon. <laughs> David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord, not sad. You may want to notify your face. Anyway, moving right along. You guys want me to go back on vacation? <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Little beach ministry, prayed over turtles every morning, got them saved, baptized them. Anyway, where were we at? Oh, you just got saved. And you're like, man, this is awesome. No more problems, no more trials. Man, everything is, this fuel church is crazy, man. Give me the stickers, give me the merch, this is awesome. One and all. Man, if I would have known this, I would have done this a long time ago, that my life can be perfect now. Not. <laughs> you've just begun, right? The cool thing is that now that you've come to Christ, let me give you some encouragement, the person who just came to faith. The cool thing is that, that, that now, now you will have the answer to all your problems, whereas before you did not have that answer. Now you have the answer living inside of you. Right Now you have the person who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, living in the inside of you. Now you have a family that you can do life with, and you don't have to do it alone. That's the, the hope of coming to Christ. Now, now you have a true hope that anchors you through the storms of life, Hebrews 6.19. For we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, Firm and secure. You say, how do you know that scripture so well? It's tattooed on my arm. (laughs) Working on my second tattoo. It's coming up. Praise God. If you're against tattoos, I'm sorry. But not sorry. (laughs) Now you have the God of the universe living inside of you. Now when pain comes, he takes your pain and produces purpose out of it. That's the God I'm talking about. So you will go through trials. You will, Jesus never said a storm-free, painless, easy life with him. But he did give us some promises and principles to live by. And here's the thought I want us to circle around today. Here's the thought. If you don't get anything, if you you don't like my jokes, that's fine. I get it. I tell the same ones every week. (laughs) But if you don't hear anything, hear this thought right here. Hear this thought. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. I need you to hear this today. I need somebody to hear this today. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. Just because you don't hear him, it doesn't mean he is absent. Just because you do not feel him, it doesn't mean his presence has left you. Just because bad things are happening, it doesn't mean God isn't still good. I've learned to, in life, to never interpret 
the goodness of God through my circumstances. Instead, to interpret my circumstances through the goodness of God. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that again. I've learned in life to never interpret the goodness of God through my circumstances. Instead, to interpret my circumstances through the goodness of God. Because God is good even when I'm not good. And God is good even when he doesn't make sense. God is good. Let, let's settle that right now. God is good. Someone say God is good. God is good. God is good even in the silent moments. Even in the silent moments. I believe all of us have had those moments where... We've cried out to God, those where are you God moments, I call them. Where are you God? I I don't sense you, I don't feel you, I feel like you're a billion miles away. Why wouldn't you want to come and take care of this situation for me? You know I'm hurting, you know the pain that I'm going through. Where are you God? Where are you God? And uh, there is a story in the Old Testament of a man who found himself in a where are you God moment. And I want to talk about him today. His name is Elijah. Someone say Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. Let me give you some context before we get to the text. Elijah was a prophet in the reign of King Ahab. Prophets were chosen men and women chosen by God to deliver the word of the Lord. They were men and women that God put his hand on, his special hand, or the Bible calls it in the Old Testament, the anointing upon. Put place his anointing upon them so that they could be the mouthpiece of God, so that they could speak the word of the Lord to the people, right? And so, so most of the time, it, it, it wasn't really good news that the prophet was bringing. It was words of, hey, if you don't change this and alter this, some bad things are going to happen, right? Like you you need to get this right in your house and you need to get this right in your life. And uh, sometimes it was good news, but very rarely was it. It It was mostly a warning of something to come if there wasn't a course change in someone's life. Are you with me so far? Elijah is found here in 1 Kings 18 battling with King Ahab and battling his 450 prophets of Baal. So King Ahab and Elijah are going back and forth, and Elijah's saying, listen, you know, you guys are worshiping the God of Baal, who's a false god, and I'm worshiping the real God. And your God is fake, and my God is real, and they're having kind of this battle back and forth, and, and uh Elijah comes up with this idea because Ahab was so persistent that Baal was to be worshipped by everyone and he changed uh, just thousands of people's opinion who was worshipping God to worship Baal. And so Elijah said, enough is enough. If your God is real, then let's do this. Let's have a showdown. And uh, let's bring a sacrifice and let's bring the wood and uh, you're going to call upon your God, Baal, and we're going to see who consumes the sacrifice. And then I'm going to call on my God, the God of Israel. And uh, so they, they, they had this showdown 
right? They have this showdown at Mount Carmel, the Bible says, and there's the 450 prophets of Baal, there's Elijah, and there's Ahab, and Elijah says, hey, you go first, and they bring the bull, they slaughter the bull, they bring the bull, they bring the wood, they, bring the, they, they make the altar, and uh, the, these 450 prophets of Baal begin to call on Baal. And they started in the morning, and then by noontime, no fire had been lit yet. And the Bible says that they got more frustrated and they were dancing around the altar and they were doing all this weird stuff, uh, false worshiping uh, this, this God of Baal. And then all of a sudden by evening, they were really frustrated. They start cutting themselves, the Bible says. The first cutters right there in the Bible, right there, the 450 prophets of Baal. Started cutting themselves and bleeding everywhere because they were mad that their God wasn't answering by fire. So Elijah said, hey, giving you all day. Your God hasn't answered. So it's my turn. And Elijah calls on his God, and immediately the God of Israel answers by fire. The fire comes, consumes the sacrifice, and consumes the 450 prophets of Baal. Boom, they gone. Here's Elijah. Right after this great victory, we find the greatest struggle of his life. And can I just tell you that's usually how it is. After your greatest victory comes your greatest attack. I'm always kind of on edge, like after something great happens in my life or at our church, because I'm like, I just know how the enemy works. Because he, he doesn't want you celebrating that for too long. And he brings a great attack. And that's where we find Elijah here. Look at this, First Kings chapter 19 It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything. Who is Jezebel, you ask? That was his wife. That was his wife. Now, if you've been raised in church, you've heard the term Jezebel thrown around. I mean, we call every lady a Jezebel. She a Jezebel. Do you see that skirt she had on? Spirit of Jezebel. Do you see her Easter hat? Spirit of Jezebel. Do you see her lean worship? Spirit of Jezebel on her. And we've just kind of taken out of context in the Pentecostal Charismatic Church. And so I do apologize on all behalf of all them um, because we've labeled every person, every lady a Jezebel. But let me tell you who Jezebel was in the Bible. She was a manipulative, controlling lady who basically uh, played as uh, Ahab's puppet, puppeteer. Ahab was a puppet to Jezebel. She controlled everything. She got him to change his belief. She got him to to start worshiping Baal. She's the one that introduced Baal to Ahab. He was worshiping the God of Israel. And she introduced it and she came in and she murdered uh, the prophets of God. She did some vile, evil things. So here's Jezebel. Ahab goes home, tells Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Emailed Elijah. May the gods... Strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you have killed them. Verse 3, what does it say? Elijah was what? Afraid and what? He ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He was afraid. He was alone and he wanted his life to end. In this moment, it didn't make sense for Elijah. In this moment, he was frustrated. 
God, you were with me when, I, when the fire came and consumed the 450 prophets of Baal. And now I feel like you're gone. You are silent in my life. And this woman, this crazy woman is after me. She's going to kill me. God, where are you? We read on our text, chapter 10, or uh, verse 10, rather. says, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down the altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The angel of the Lord says to him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such terrible that the blast, that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here? Elijah. Here's Elijah in one of the lowest moments of his life. If you read it in the King James, this story, he actually, the Bible says, as he fled to be alone, he sits down against a juniper tree and begins to write out his suicide note. That's what the Bible says. Here's Elijah, and he's the lowest of the lowest. Here he is saying, God, you don't make sense. Here he is, pity party, reservation of one. I know you don't throw pity parties, but indulge me for a minute because I throw a few of them here and there. I know you don't because you're perfect Christian, but let me talk about me. You ever thrown a pity party for yourself and no one else came? Like you sent the invites out and no, no one showed up, right? I, I believe we've all found ourselves there if we were honest, right? Here's Elijah and, and he's, he's all alone. He's all alone. And I'm sure he's, he, he's, he said in the scripture, he said, God, I'm the only one left. No one else wants to serve you. Everyone else is serving this Baal God. Everyone else is doing their own thing, living their own life. They're not worshiping you. Here I am living my life for you, and this bad woman is after me. Why, God? And you know what? There's times when we say that too. Like, God, I'm faithful to church. I'm faithful to show up. Why is this not working out in my life? Why can't I get this turned around? And God, I serve on a team. And God, I even serve in the nursery and the parking team, God. And God, you know no one else in that fuel church wants to serve on those two teams. So God, you better have special treatment on me. And God, God, I'm faithful to tithe. Why can't I get my money right? Why does it seem like there's never enough at the end of the month? And God, and God, I even have the fuel sticker on my car now. Like, why is this happening to me? I bought the fuel merch. Like, I should be good now, God. What, why are these bad things? And this is Elijah. And we find ourselves there. Like, sometimes we're doing all the right things. 
right? But the right things aren't happening in our life. Like we're praying, we're, we're doing, like I'm faithful to my devotions every morning. I'm worshiping you, God, but, but why? why? Why does this seem like the people who aren't serving you are getting blessed and the people who are serving you aren't getting blessed, God? Have you ever said that? Yeah. Well, why? Elijah's like, I'm the only one left that's serving you. I'm the only one, God. Where, where are you? Let me encourage you if you find yourself there today like Elijah. Let me encourage you if you've had thoughts of throwing in the towel in the last few weeks. Let me encourage you if you're in a moment when God doesn't make sense. Let me encourage you if you feel all alone. Let me encourage you with this, that darkness will eventually give way to light. Let me encourage you with this, that your brokenness will encounter his healing. That your pain will be used for his purpose and your loneliness will give away to his completeness and your sorrow will be turned into joy. Yes, it will. What do you do when God doesn't make sense? What do you do when you can't figure it out? But you need to know just because he's silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. God wasn't in the wind. The story is so fascinating with me because I would think God would show up by wind. He's represented by his Holy Spirit. The rushing wind of the Holy Spirit came in in the book of Acts. I would think he would show up by wind to, to meet with Elijah, but he doesn't show up by wind. Maybe, maybe, maybe an earthquake, it said, was the next thing. Maybe, maybe it was an earthquake and, and God is so big and, and so amazing, the creator of the universe, that he could shake that very mountain that Elijah was on and get his attention and shake him to the point where he realized that God was with him all along. Maybe by fire. We see fire represented all throughout the Bible. He's an all-consuming fire, the Bible says. I mean, tons of scriptures that represent God as a fire. I think God would show up by fire. He just showed up by fire in the chapter before for Elijah. Why wouldn't he do it again? But a whisper? The creator of the universe, the omnipotent God, the one who flung the stars into the sky, the one who told the sea, the ocean, you can only come this far. The one who created the birds and the trees and created you and I shows up to speak to Elijah in the lowest moment of his life with a whisper. Why a whisper? Why a whisper, God? What, what, why? What, why? Can't you speak a little louder? Why a whisper? I mean, want to know why God whispered? You want to know why God whispered? Because God was so close to him. All he had to do was whisper. I'm with you. I told you, Elijah, I would never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't have to shout. He didn't have to show his power through fire, earthquake, or wind. All he had to do was say, Elijah, I'm here. Because when you feel that God is silent, he is never absent from your life. He is never absent. You need to know this today. You need to believe this today. You are not alone. 
God is so close to you, just listen to the whisper. It's in the whisper, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, that he'll speak comfort to your soul. It's through a song that the words will penetrate your soul and bring encouragement. It's through an encouraging, trusted friend that the words that they speak to you will be the words of the whisper of God that you needed in your life. Hear the whisper of God. The whisper of God is all around you. You're just not listening to it. The whisper of God is all around you. It's when you open your Bible. It's when you turn on that worship music. It's when you do those devotions. It's when you fellowship with other believers. It's when you come to God's house. The whisper of God is speaking to you. Are you listening? Hmm? There's this conversation that continues with Elijah as God answers by whisper. Who would have thought he's the God that answers by whisper? <laughs> the God that answers by fire. Awesome. Cool. Do those tricks, God. But the God who answers by whisper has a conversation with Elijah. We don't have time to read it all because I'm landing the plane right now. But he has this conversation with him and he says, now what? Now what, God? You showed up, but... I still feel like this lady, her plan is going to come to fruition and I'm, she's going to kill me. And God says, no, she's not going to kill you. I have a purpose for you. I need you to go back to where you came from. I need you to anoint Elijah, Elisha because there's a purpose. Even when the enemy has a plan, God's purpose will prevail. Elijah's plan was this. In my life, God's purpose is use his life. Elijah said, in my life, God said, no, I want to use your life. You're not done. Can I tell you today, if you're not dead, you're not done. God's not done with you. Doesn't matter how old you are. It does not matter. God is not done with you. When God doesn't make sense. When God doesn't make sense. You need to know this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. When God doesn't make sense, you need to know this, that you don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. When you don't understand God, trust he has a purpose. Many times we have our plans. and We are stuck on doing it our way. And therefore we miss out on God's purpose, don't we? We have our plans. The Bible says that in Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose. Someone say purpose. It's his purpose that prevails. So my faith is not in my plans, but my faith is in God's purpose. Come on, say that with me. Say my faith is not in my plans, but in God's purpose. It's in God's purpose. You need, you need to know that today. You need to know that today. Because sometimes we can put more faith in our plans than we do his purpose. We put more faith in what we can do. But you know what? God can do what we can't do. 
He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We just got to trust his purpose when we don't get the plan. I don't understand, God. I don't understand the plan, but I trust your purpose. Everything, listen to me, in our Christian faith hinges on that moment when God seems absent, when God seems silent, when he doesn't make sense. Everything in your Christian faith hinges on that moment because that's where your character grows. That's where your faith grows. That's where your patient grows. That's when you become a mature believer, when in the silent moments, when in the moments it doesn't make sense, you say like David said, or like Job said, yet, if, yet he, if, even if he does slay me, yet I will praise him. Even, even if, David said, even if I make my bed next to hell, God, I'm still going to praise you. Even if I'm in the gutter, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to come to your house. I'm still going to assemble with other believers. It doesn't matter what I go through. You are my God and you are good and you are with me. You're with me. You're with me. It's where our faith grows. It's where our faith grows. If we never go through anything, we never grow through anything. Why don't you start looking from a different perspective on what you're facing? I'm going through this. How about you look at it? I'm growing through this. I'm growing through this financial situation. I'm growing through this relationship situation. I'm growing through this marriage. I'm growing through these children. I may send them to heaven, but I'm growing through it. Come on now. I'm growing through this. I'm just not going through it. No, it has purpose. It has purpose. You see, you see, this is where faith grows in the silent. We want the mountaintop. We want the God of fire. But God says, here's how your faith grows when you don't understand When you don't understand everything your daughters went through, that's where faith grows. When your baby's in the hospital, that's where faith grows. When the money is funny, that's where faith grows. When you got a wayward child, that's where faith grows. When the marriage is busted, that's where faith grows. It's not on the mountaintop. I love the mountaintop moments. I wish we could have them all the time, but it's not a reality. Faith grows in the silent. Faith grows where it's cold and it's the dark soil because faith is like a seed and the seed is in the silent, cold, dark soil and the seed is in preparation for purpose. It has to stay in the darkness for a reason. It has to stay in the darkness for a season. It's where in absolute darkness and silence that it becomes the strongest. It's growing. It's getting strength. It's getting ready to one day begin to break through the soil into the light. But faith sometimes must be hidden. Sometimes you don't need to tell all of social media land what you're going through. Sometimes your faith is in the darkness. Sometimes your faith is hidden. It's still there. Sometimes it's in the cold soil because it's preparing you for your next season. 
It's preparing you for purpose, even when you don't understand the plan. It's preparing you to one day burst through the soil and break through to the light. Everything that you're going through right now is in preparation for the next season that God has for you. Am I speaking to anybody or is it just to me? I just preach it to myself. I don't care. I get to do a test on you now every week, first service. You get to hear it first. Actually, you hear it like third or fourth because I preach it to myself and all the squirrels in my trees on Saturday. I get to practice on you and then the other two I perfect it even better. So, Thank you. Am I talking to anybody today that feels like you're in darkness, that feels like, God, it doesn't make sense why I'm going? Can I encourage you today that just because God is silent, he is not absent? Can I encourage you today that when you don't understand the plan, please know that God has a purpose? Can I encourage you today that when God doesn't make sense, it's okay? The only thing that is not okay And that is for you to quit when it doesn't make sense. There's no quitting. I've never found, I never found that scripture in the Bible. When it gets hard, quit. When it gets hard, give up. No, I don't find that. No, I don't find that. Paul said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Through persecution, through storms, through famine through heartache, through discouragement, in all these things. He's saying all these things are going to happen to you, but don't worry. In all those things, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You're more than a conqueror through Christ, through Christ. Not, not, not your power. It's his power in you that's going to see you through the storm. It's his power in you that's going to allow your faith to begin to poke through that hard soil and begin to fulfill its purpose in your life. Don't be discouraged today. I don't care where you find yourself. I don't care what situation is going on at home. Don't be discouraged today. God is with you. And sometimes he's just with you in the whisper. Just listen. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.